now we are seeing that employees or candidates are saying, you know what, I choose me. I choose how I want to work. I choose my salary. There's no salary ceiling. And also I get to do the things I'm passionate about. I think we are seeing a reimagine of the workplace. I see that employees want purpose. They want autonomy. They want flexibility. They definitely want to own their destiny. The days are gone where I rely on my manager to determine how far I go up the change, which way I go. We are taking control. But when you think about who is really, really taking advantage of this gig economy, I would say two and a half generations. I would say certainly the millennials. And I also say the Gen Zs because they are entrepreneur. They are definitely on the social media aspect. And then you're seeing Gen X tapping into that as well. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Orbit, the HG podcast series where we speak to leaders and innovators from across the software and technology ecosystem to discuss the key trends changing how we all do business. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Tonya Morris. She is the founder and CEO of Simply HR. Tonya and I know each other from the recent HG CXO event that we had here at HG for all of our CXOs across our organizations. And really what we discussed there was the great resignation, attrition issues, all of the big topics of the day. And Tonya was one of our most popular speakers on that day. Uh, Tonya is an expert generational connector. And what that means is she helps organizations to transform their cultures by embracing all generations. And she's going to talk to us a little bit more about that today. So, Tonya, I think that's actually a very good place to start. You know, what is an intergenerational connector? You know, it's a person or expert or thought leader that knows all the generations and her focus is to bring and bridge the gaps among the generations among the organization. So I typically bring all the generations together. We leverage one another so we can have an inclusive workplace. And I remember we spoke before about this and it was a stat that really surprised me. You, you spoke about in, in the workplace now, there are you know, five generations of employees. Can you talk a little more around what that means and you know, especially the millennial generation and how that cohort have now moved into kind of managerial positions again, which was kind of surprising for me to, uh, to hear well, you know, like I stated in, in our talk, we have five generations in the workplace. I'm going to go over them briefly, but we have the traditionals, which is the oldest generation in the workplace. Then we have the third largest generation, which is the baby boom. They used to be the second largest, but now the Gen X are the second largest generation in the workplace. But millennials are the largest generation in the workplace, about 86 plus millions. And then we have the new ones, the Gen Zs. And so what I spoke about, because the workforce is aging, and we are now knowing that the millennial, the largest generation in the workplace, they're assuming a lot of the managerial positions in the workplace. Many have said, well, what about Gen X, right? I'm a Gen X, right? Well, I say we are the passed over and ticked off generation. We're, we're sandwiched in, so we're not talked about a lot. But really, the reason why we are seeing this trend moving more towards millennials, because they are the largest, and we just don't have enough Gen X to really assume those roles. Although we do have them in those positions, but we see the focus now on the millennials. That's really, really interesting. And, you know, there have been lots of articles written on this particular topic that we're going to talk about next, which is 
And I see you smiling, right? Because everybody's talking about the great resignation. And look, there's been a lot around this recently. What is it? What, what, how would you define the great resignation? Is this a global problem? Is it specific to, you know, the States, a particular generation? And why are folks leaving the workplace? I think it's a global challenge. I also think with the pandemic, many of us had an opportunity to reevaluate life. What's important, right? But we also are competing with the gig economy. And for those who don't know what the gig economy is, it is the freelance world. And so I've said this in 2018, I should have wrote my book. I was planning on writing a book about it. And now we are seeing that employees or candidates are saying, you know what? I choose me. I choose how I want to work. I choose my salary. There's no salary ceiling. And also I get to do the things I'm passionate about. Oftentimes we don't, we put our passion to the side and we go into the workplace and we operate in our skills, you know, one of our skills, but not so much our passion. I think we are seeing a reimagine of the workplace. I see that employees want purpose. They want autonomy. They want flexibility. They definitely want to own their destiny. The days are gone where I rely on my manager to determine how far I go up the change, which way I go. We are taking control. When you think of the five generations in the workplace now, is there a particular generation that's leaving the workplace? Like, and how is it impacting all the other generations? So what does great resignation mean for each of the generations? Well, when you look at, for example, we know the millennials, we got two types of millennials. We got the older millennials, which is under 30, and we have the younger millennials. So we got a millennial divide. But when you think about who is really, really taking advantage of this gig economy, I would say two and a half generations. I would say certainly the millennials. And I also say the Gen Zs, because they are entrepreneur. They are definitely on the social media aspect. And then you're seeing Gen X tapping into that as well. So I think that It's not a matter what generation. I think that when we look at the workforce today, it has to be, there has to be an element of entrepreneurship within these organizations' culture. Because really, I think that we have, we're looking at lessons learned, you know, how can I own my destiny? And for the first time, we have the ability with all this social media platform and access, we have an opportunity to really, you know, create and be innovative. And I think that is where we're at. But for the most part, millennials are charting the path. And then you're going to see some um, Gen Zs as well. That's really fascinating. Really fascinating. And, you know, when you think of, you know, the role of automation in, in this kind of great resignation issue that we're having. So automation through technology, software, do you think it's an enabler or is it actually, you know, kind of creating more of a problem for the the great resignation? I think a combination. It is necessary, but how much of it, right? So with COVID, who would have ever thought we were all going to be software companies operating our business of Zoom and, and Teams and other platforms. So some organizations have been forced to do this here, right? And you got to understand who was at the helm of some of these organizations. They're baby boomers. And so they like that face-to-face interaction, but some organizations love it and they're thriving off of it, right? So it's something that I think that needs to have balance. I think it is necessary, but how much of it? And no, we all know that you cannot replace that face-to-face interaction. And some people, frankly, are feeling isolated. It's just too much. It's overwhelming. And so I think that when we look at 
you know, our processes and businesses, do we enable or is it a disruptor? I think that there are some pros and cons. And when I think about pros and cons, now that we can work virtually or mostly hybrid, we have access to so many different candidates and talent. That's a good thing. Our customers, we have access to the customers. So there's no more bottleneck or the middle person. We just have so much access, which is great. It makes the competition a little bit more steeper because we are um, looking for the same talent and we're going all over the place with it. But then in a, in a nutshell, what about the employees that you know are isolated? It's almost like a sense of equity, if you will. When I think about diversity, equity, and inclusion, you know, are we giving everybody access, right? And especially those who are not comfortable with that. So I think it depends. It has its place, but I do think it's necessary. I thought that's interesting to pick up on that point, Tonya, around equity, equality, diversity, and of course, inclusion, right? Like what that has meant in a COVID world. And now that we're kind of more into the hybrid world. And when you say people not having access. Can you talk to us a little more about about what you mean there? Well, you know, when I help my clients look for candidates, now what's one of the questions in the interviewing process, do you have access to internet? Do you have the ability to work from home in in a private space? You know, because some people don't have space, private space. We had to turn our homes into office spaces. And fortunately, unfortunately, some people didn't have that you know, that opportunity. I think that is is a big piece from having access and equity as well. So I think the DEI space ties into the technology aspect of it as well. Also, I want to say with this world of remote world, we have given people access to our homes, our back, you know, they see our backgrounds and, and then that can become biases. And so it just turns into a whole nother element of how we create safe spaces and privacy and, you know, all of those different things. So I do believe that, you know, we have to think about the DNI aspect of this technology, because if we're going to work remote, there's some prices that come with it, I should say. And do you think that's going to change at all as you think about companies going back, employees going back and, and voting with their feet to go back into offices and, you know, in time, I'm sure employers saying, actually, we might need you back in a little more. You know, when you think about those scenarios, and they could be in a few months time, they could be, you know, possibly next year. Do you think that's going to have an impact? Do you think that will have an impact on the DEI space, on these, this cohort of employees that you talk about? Is, is that something you think will be a negative thing? Or do you think this is, you still see the opportunity in this? I see the opportunity in this era. Again, we talked about millennials are the largest generation in the workplace. They're going to be the new managers. The new, well, they are the new leaders, I should say. They have been talking about this for years, right? We whispered about it. They demand it, right? And we're here. And so I think that flexibility is going to be the game changer. They're going to be the competitive advantage. I think we've had a year and a half to get comfortable working from home, and we've shown that we work harder and we're more productive. I think that the organizations today, they're going to have to reimagine the workspace. So I believe flexibility and agile, all of that's going to play a lot into this here. I think that for those organizations, especially a traditional organization that really wanted you in the office, you know, I used to work for a government agency and their philosophy, if I don't see you, you're not working. Well, COVID disbunked all of that, right? And so now the mindset of how we work is changed. 
And I believe that with this generation, they will walk. And keep in mind, they are, they are in the gig economy, which is close to entrepreneurship. So if you don't give them what they want, I've heard many, I've interviewed and did focus groups around a lot of millennials. And this is what they would tell you. If you don't like it, your competitors will love it. And so they have the upper hand. And so I'm, I'm not saying we are forced, but it's just like DNI. It's a business imperative. Yeah, I think I think you're absolutely spot on. And even when we've been interviewing candidates here of the kind of millennial generation, there has been a sense of a very comfortable feeling of if this isn't my environment and you don't kind of create a purpose for me here and I don't really get the flexibility that I want and flexibility means different things to different people. There are loads of people who will give me this. I'm fairly happy with that. And that's quite in a different shift from the different generations that we would interview, as you say, kind of the baby boomers and you know, the other generations that we would be used to interviewing. So it, it is making us stop and think, hold on a second, what, what is happening here? What do we need to do? And we need to listen because this is happening all around us. And I guess that does lead on to a really good question, which is, you know, what is your advice for our organizations, Tanya, you know, the actual employers around how to combat some of this some of these issues with the great resignation, but also employees. You know, if we look at it from both sides, which I think we need to, it's not all about what the employer needs to do, but also employees and the different generations and how they rub along together. How can the employer's employees really work together to help solve some of the issues with the great resignation? Well, I think a couple of things. I think we definitely have to listen, start having these conversations. So for those of you that have millennials in your workplace, do some focus group and figure out what it is that they want to see and, and be transparent because oftentimes we never ask. We just assume we put people and employees in this box. But I think now employees, you know, the workplace has shifted a little bit. We want transparency. We want authentic conversation. We want a safe place where we say, and this is where this DNI piece come in place, inclusivity. I want to be inclusive. And what does that look like? And so now we have to take a step back as leader and say, okay, how can we attract and retain at the same time? It's not enough just to attract people to get, um, to get them there. You have to still retain them. So in the interviewing process, you're going to be seeing a lot of uh, millennials asking a question about your DNI and your inclusivity and equity, you know, because they live through this here and they demand it and they want it. So now you got to ask the question, right? You got to live it out. And they want to see action. They want to see what leadership looks like. They want to see mobility in their organization. They want to, they want to talk about career path and in the interviewing process. They don't want to talk about career path after they get the job. You can make up something. And so I think that what from an employer standpoint, we got to reimagine our culture. It's, it's, it's more than just a culture. How do we live it out? How do it become a living document? How do we put processes in place to brand us? So there's a lot going on with that. For example, you know, if you want to attract, you know, millennials or any other generation, we got to go where they're at. Where are they? The days are gone where you're putting the ad out and you're sitting back and hoping somebody is going to respond and see you. You have to go. I saw a TikTok ad yesterday. And it was a store that I shop in and it caught my attention. I'm like, whoa, really? So we got to be innovative in, on the recruiting side and also on the retention side. But from the employee or the candidate side of the house, I think we have to be solution driven. We have to ask the question and be a part of the solution. And when I say that, oftentimes we want things to happen overnight. And we know what DNI is a journey. And I think in the interviewing process, 
a candidate needs to show and demonstrate that it could be a part of the solution, meaning that, you know, we understand that this is where the organization is at, but how can you bring your whole self to work where it can impact the organization as a whole? That's really spot on. And, and I guess I'd, I love the idea that you talk around kind of innovation and what that can mean. So Tonya, do you think you could talk to us about good examples of innovative companies that you've worked with, either those you can name or, or not name if it's confidential, and, you know, innovative companies really doing interesting things that our audience might like to hear about to try to help combat the great resignation? Yes, this is a great time to be in HR as well. You know, my background is human resources and the DNI space. So to bring those two together, I, I definitely have something to bring to the table. But I work with a lot of organizations that are aging out for sure. They really didn't have to depend on going into the market and, and, and you know competing for talent. Well, the time has come. So I'm hired to work with a couple of organizations that are pretty much traditional and they didn't have the branding. They didn't feel like they need it. And a lot of their leadership was, you know, the boomers that's getting ready to relocate. So what we thought we would do is something different because we realized that putting ads didn't work. They were not big on social media and all those different things. So we went into the community. These are for the traditional organization. We went to the community and you really, you know how when athletes sign, you know, big contracts to NBA and NFL, they have what is called in high school signing days, you sign, right? So I thought, you know what, because the manufacturing compete for different talent, pretty much the blue collar, let's go into the community and develop relationships. And so there are some students out of high school that don't want to go to college, right? So if you're working in the manufacturing industry, you may not need to do that, or you may do it part-time. So we put together a program where I put together some a series of courses on interviewing skills, resumes, what have you, right? And then we talk to the community managers in the organization that we're hiring in the manufacturing plants. And so we had what is called a sign-on day. So we brought all the employers out in the community and um, the students got an opportunity to interview with the candidates and they were prepared to interview the questions and you know all the different things that they needed to, to interview with. So they got offers on the spot. So we call it your signing day. They signed their offer letter. And so we felt that was very impactful for those organizations that are competing for that particular talent. Now, when I go into my technology companies, what we decided that we need to do is definitely utilize and leverage technology. We know that we need to go where they're at, but we're doing fun things on, and from a video standpoint. So that is our call to action, right? We're doing videos and we're finding that we're saving money because we don't have to you know, advertise, but it is word of mouth. And we're going on TikTok. We're, we're doing Twitter and Instagram. And even um, LinkedIn has a video feature now. And so we're finding that a lot of the companies that are they're using the technology, but we also are using a different approach. Uh, we're going more now towards a passive seekers, job candidate seekers, meaning that we got our messaging right. We're speaking the language, meaning purpose, career pathing. We're talking about DEI. That is how that's our whole message. And we have surveyed and found that of the employees or the candidates that we reached out, they were not looking for other opportunities, but because we were speaking their language, 
We were a little bit more innovative. We were pursuing them. Who does not want to be pursued, right? So we pursued them just like we looked at it as like we were dating. We did all the great things, you know, to woo them in, right? And we kept the great things. But also we looked at our benefits. What are we offering? And we're not just doing just traditional benefit. We're like the hub spots of the world. They, I love their benefit package. With You know, they are catering to the women because women are the, the largest gender has dropped out of the workplace. So I, I think that we are using technology, number one, we are solving the, the solution, right? We understand what the problems are, flexibility. They want to feel value. They want inclusivity. So you add all that in your messaging and then you go where they're at. So now you're open, you know, you, um, you're leveraging you know, all the generations. So those are some of the things I think we have to do in order to come back to great resonation. Things are not as usual. We have to get outside the box. Matter of fact, we need to burn the box, right? Get outside the box and start looking at what matters. And, then, and another thing too, we have to humanize the workplace, humanize the, um, the interviewing process. And then we have to err on empathy and care. And when you package all of that, Elizabeth, I tell you, you can win. I mean, yes, you have to, you know, do some extra things, but I think extra is, is the game changer now. Going above and beyond, being innovative and being creative and, and just going where people are at, meeting their needs. It's almost like, I feel like we are in a presidential campaign. We got to talk about kitchen table topics. You know, where's my career? How are my skills aligned to the overall job? You know, uh, are we talking about career pathing? You know, are we getting away from titles and get more focused on accountability? That's what we want. And so that's what you have to do differently. I think candidates want something different. And that's what we have to do. Yeah. And I think if, if we're not doing it, you know, another organization will be doing it. So I think we'll lose talent if we don't, you know, stay in the game and be really real. And I love something that you just mentioned, Tonya, that going into the community, what we're seeing as a trend really are investors, you know, saying, you know, if your boards and your management teams, they, if they don't reflect our communities, you know, we're not, we're not investing. Yes. So, you know, it's coming. It, it's actually probably already here, really. I tell my clients all the time, what goes on in that community, it comes into your workplace. And so what better place to start is in the community. And then I think we have to listen and we got to have, of course, we need ambassadors, our employees, but I do believe that we have to embrace the community and that's what we want. When you see, I think DE&I is directly related to the great resonation. I really do because now people are, and employees are being um, bold, conversations, work expectations are different. And if we're not listening, we're losing. And so I say to those of you that are out there listening, the best thing you can do is go in there with an open mind, but we have to listen, learn, and unlearn different ways how we can reimagine today's workplace. It is different. And something else you just mentioned there, Tony, that I'd love to pick up on is, you know, and, and there's great staffs to support exactly what you've just said around women leaving the workplace and, you know, being, you know, coming out in droves during COVID, you know, for many of the reasons that, that you would think such as, you know, childcare issues, you know, everyone working from home and yes. it kind of falling back, almost putting women back many, many years 
you know, and undoing some of the really great work that has happened for women in the workplace. You know, what, what's your view and what can our companies, if they're experiencing that, and I think it is everywhere, and I'd love to get your view on that, but what, what can our companies do about that? Well, one of the things is you're absolutely right why some of the reason women are leaving the workplace, but I think it's even beyond daycare. I think we got to deal with the pay equity. We're still behind. And guess what? There are more women now starting their own businesses. And so we are still competing with even the gig and the entrepreneur aspect of it. And so women are saying, you know what? There, I can go ahead and start my own business. There's no glass ceiling. I can work with who I want to work with. I can do the work I want. I can be creative. I can be innovative. I can be a mother and a wife all at one time, right? And I'm a prime example of that. I've been out for a while, but I felt that you know, the pay equity is still a problem. And I think women had an opportunity when we were all in idle mode from the pandemic to really say, you know what? I am worth it. I do have skills. I don't want to be stressed. I want my health. I want my destiny. I want all these things. And guess what? It's going to rely on me to get it. And so if organizations cannot align with that, we're going to continue losing women. Now, there's a, a, a research out there saying that this is going to be a bad thing for women to drop out of the workforce. I know that we are, as leaders, have to look at who is on our at the table, who is at the board. Are we paying our women you know, correctly? What's the career path for women? How do we pursue them? It's going back to that dating aspect. How do I pursue and win women over and mean it? Yeah, you're absolutely spot on. And one of the final things I wanted to pick up on was just this idea of automation. And you mentioned you're you're quite positive on the idea of automation and what that might mean for roles and folks in organizations. Can you just talk to us a little more around your positive feeling on, on automation and why it's a good thing? You know, I think it I think it's necessary, right? Now, how much of it is up for discussion, but I do think that it allows us to work faster you know, faster and more efficient and streamlined. But I also think that things like, for example, I was talking about the fact that automation, some are fearful of it because it may eliminate jobs. I don't think it's going to so much eliminate jobs. I think it's going to enhance jobs, if you will. I do think that it's going to allow us to service our clients and customers more efficiently. And I think it's a, it's a good thing. I do think that automation is where we're going. If you don't have some level of automation, you can become obsolete. I realized just the last year with COVID how important automation is for my business. I mean, it definitely streamlines the process. It allows you to wrap creativity around it because you can go a little bit more faster. I think it, 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 I think it promotes creativity. I really do. That is something. I love that. Tonya, thank you so much for joining us here at HG today. Like really insightful into these big topics. And hopefully this will be really helpful on a pragmatic level for, for some of our organizations. So Tonya Morris, thank you very much for your time today. Absolutely. I, I enjoyed it. Thank you so much. Thanks for listening to Orbit, the HG podcast. If you'd like to find out more about HG and our work building businesses that change how we all do business, Subscribe to our newsletter at hgcapital.com forward slash newsletters.